Hello guys, welcome back to Ragnarsson Invest Podcast. Our today's guest is Anna Salina Habebosch from Seed Trace, and we're going to talk about how software solutions can support the transparency in supply chains. Anna, welcome. It's great to have you here. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, we're going to discuss the topic of transparency in a... Um, of transparency and software solutions, how they can uh, cooperate, how they can support uh, each other. But maybe let's start with talking about the problem itself or the situation that we have. You, with a Citrace, uh, one of the verticals, one of the industries you are addressing is food, correct? So can you tell us a little bit more about how does the transparency look like in a food uh, industry? Does it even exist? What are the problems uh, the industry struggles when it comes to making the supply chains transparent? Yes, of course. Um, so basically, when we started a few years ago, we were looking at different industries, right? We were considering textile, cosmetics, food, um, and then we decided to completely specialize, which I think is the first very important step, um, because the supply chains within the industry are already very, very different. And also the challenges when it comes to building the transparency. Um, in the very beginning, we worked with companies that were directly selling to the consumer. Because one of the major pressure points, of course, is the consumer that wants more information, that wants to buy more consciously, um, and with smaller ones in the very beginning. But then more and more with bigger ones that have very different challenges. So the range of companies that we work with and the challenges and motivations they have is very different. You have some companies that are engaging into direct trade opportunities that have a good visibility and that source from just maybe a few farms or a few origins. For them, it's often more the challenge to digitize it, but they theoretically have access to the partners and the information. And then you have others that are very big that maybe source hundreds of from hundreds of different suppliers um, that have very complex global chains with traders in between and so on and so forth and maybe a package in the end that makes it impossible to know from which source exactly the coffee or the product inside the package comes from. So I think the challenges are very different. And what moves the industry a lot recently, of course, is also the Supply Chain Act. So that was it currently discussed on European level, but also was passed end of last year. Um, so one sometimes assumes it only concerns the big ones in the first step, but they sort of outsource all of that pressure to their suppliers that have all sorts of sizes and are everywhere. Um, so the challenges are very diverse and depend on the industries and regions, I would say, in sizes. We recently had a similar conversation with uh, Mandeep Saur from Bendy about the fashion industry. And she mentioned that the, one of the most important factors about implementing transparency is right finding the right incentives. And for the fashion, it was, as you said, uh, as well for the food industry, was the regulations which are, which are forcing um, from the top uh, the changes, uh, but also um, the, the general movement of the customers of the uh, of the brands to their willingness to do that to track um, now how does it look like in the when it comes to incentives in the food industry mm. a part of regulations yeah so we generally see three different pressure points outside our incentives uh, one of them being the regulations um, which is nice because it pushes the bigger ones to move um, especially also with in social and humanitarian factors because until now it was very much focused on environmental aspects. 
um, and not so much on humanitarian impact. And the supply chain brings that in. But it's just one of three. The other one is for sure the consumer. It's an interesting subject because there is a huge attitude behavior gap. We all know about it. We read the statistics. Ooh, 90% want to buy consciously and sustainably and everyone just grabs the cheapest banana in the store. So that's still a huge issue. Uh, it's still quite the case, but we really try to understand why this gap exists. Um, because there is huge potential. If we know that generally the consumer, you know, in the global north wants to do better, then that's already a step. And it's definitely a tendency of the generations to come. So even if maybe large organizations that are market leaders right now don't see the need today to be fully transparent or really show more insights, uh, latest in 10 years, they will regret not having started now also from a consumer and economic perspective. So generally still, um, there are two things or two incentives from that pressure point, I would say, why companies should build more transparency. One is consumers are willing to stay more loyal to the brand. And I think that's very much underestimated because companies look at like the buying decision at the point of sale or in the moment. That is hard to influence. It's more easy to influence online because consumers are, when they are online, they're looking for more info, they have more time, and they generally really desire more product-specific info. When it's a physical point of sale, it's more difficult, right? Because you run through the supermarket, especially right now, you try to get out of it as fast as possible, um, and you see 50 different options. You're not going to scan all of them and, you know, try to understand the complex sustainability criteria. Um, and often then the consumer looks at it after the decision. So once they're at home, especially with products like coffee or tea or chocolate, you know, that you really enjoy and you take your time, you maybe share with someone else. That's when you start diving into, okay, what's actually behind it? And if then you can build trust as a company, much more likely that they will rebuy again. And uh, a lot of or almost all consumers, over 85% from what we know, um, are willing to change the brand if they see another company uh, that offers more credible transparency. And then, of course, the other factor is the willingness to pay. So consumers are willing to pay just a little more if they believe the information that is provided and that really the efforts are genuine and it's credible what they're sharing. And then you have the third pressure point <laughs> besides consumer and legal, which of course is just the motivation to have more visibility in the chain and the risk perspective. So you want to be able to react to situations as now where all supply chains are completely chaotic. Uh, nobody knows where what comes from anymore. You want to be able to react um, wherever there's something wrong in a certain batch. You don't want to take everything out of the market and so on. So it's more the risk perspective mm -hmm. that comes into play. As so well. from your experience, we're slowly reaching the point where transparency is becoming kind of a revenue source that you can sell transparency as a part of your offer. But you've mentioned a very important thing, uh, which I, I guess is kind of a problematic, how to build a credible transparency. And what does actually a credible transparency mean uh, when it's kind of an easy, easier part to collect the data, but how to verify them so the credibility mm -hmm. is there? Um, how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, that's a, a huge factor. Also because the fear of companies is obviously there to be associated with greenwashing. You can do good for a hundred years and then there's something wrong 
everybody knows about it, it's going to take a long time until you rebuild the trust with consumers. Um, so, of course, there's this huge fear and then this reluctance to do anything at all because you rather don't communicate your efforts um, because it could be that if you start building more transparency on one product line, that it will impact the others because consumers are, why do you do this only on one and, and what's with the others? Or why do you only look at the environmental impact? Why don't you look at this? Or, okay, you say it's paid fairly, but is it also environmentally friendly? So there's always this fear um, of starting somewhere and taking it step by step. And I think that's something, also if you look at it from a consumer perspective, that is a misconception. Because companies, if they say they know everything, they're perfect, they're 100% sustainable, nobody believes this anymore. Because you cannot be either 100% sustainable or transparent or zero. It's a process. And uh, we like to always emphasize this process and that it's, it's a step-by-step -step journey and that's what you should share also, you know, to be more credible um, and to be honest about why do you focus on something? Why is it a priority? What are you planning in the future? So like comply or explain is what we usually say to it. So either you're able to do it right now or you will tackle it in the future. So that's just a general thought. Um, and then more specifically in what we do, um, how do we build that? We see traceability or transparency in different levels. Um, so we usually talk about transparency first, where it's about sharing what you know, mapping the basics, the supply chain, sharing the journey and the activities. Then it's about sustainability and building more credibility in terms of having certain standards in place, making sure that the information comes from the right source and ideally in the right moment, which is when we then move towards traceability. Um, on that second level, we try to really connect the right data sources or just the suppliers, the stakeholders, so that they can provide the information in the right moment. Um, and secondly, we work with what we call an impact framework. So the whole subject has so many different nuances to it. Right? Sustainability is a huge topic. Um, it has so many different layers and aspects that you have to take into account. And the communication or the collection internally, making sense of it, standardizing it is a challenge as much as it is to communicate it. And you will hear a lot from companies that they are frustrated because they do a lot, but the consumer cannot understand all of that and grasp all of it. Um, so what we do is we work with standards and our impact claims, we call them. So you have different sustainability standards or claims a company can make on a company level or product level. It can be about fair payment to smallholder farmers or about the carbon footprint. And we very clearly define what criteria do you have to check so that you can make that claim? What is legitimate documentation, uh, maybe auditing organizations that can give their thumb up? And what is data that is to be collected or can support these claims? And that to allow the management internally and the communication. So if I scan a product, I can actually see the criteria where there is proof behind it or that has been confirmed through different mechanisms and can really understand what it means. So I think that's a huge topic. And verifying is then the last level is not always possible, but we try as much as possible and we differentiate between confirmed and verified depending on if we have supporting internal documentation or independent third parties that we can verify through. And in order to have a good overview of what, what a brand does, 
and to, to tell the story and to, to explain how my supply chain as a brand works. I would really like to understand what's what's actually the biggest challenge for someone building a solution like you when it comes to data collection, verification. Is it, at the beginning you mentioned, it's easier to manage fewer suppliers for obvious reasons. There's fewer of them and it's it's less hassle. <laughs> and it's more of, a, more of a digitalization challenge. But is it is it really? Is it simple enough to ask my suppliers to provide the data or there is a catch in it. Yeah, so there are so many different <laughs> layers to answering this question, um, but there are, there are many different aspects to it. Um, I think if you think about, is it better to have just a few suppliers or is it better to source for many different ones? Um, there's no right and wrong. You know, it's, it's always a balance and it always depends on the industry and the product. Um, generally, of course, with the situation like we have now with the war, and so many companies that have been sourcing from regions where they don't get anything from anymore right now. And suddenly they are standing there and they don't have their suppliers anymore. And they have had established supply chains for ages. And um, so they have completely different challenges, maybe because they were too dependent on one or two. So that can also be an issue. At the same time, if you have hundreds of different ones, it's going to be very hard to build strong relationships to really get that data and establish that. So I think it's always a, a balance between both and it's very unique to the industry. Um, for example, one anecdote in the coffee industry, uh, sometimes when you talk about specialty coffees, they cannot always source from the same supplier because it depends on the harvest if the quality is good enough um, and if they can actually buy that. So they will have to make it dependent um, if you have really big companies that buy from traders, they often don't know anymore what origins are in the specific package or in the specific batch. They just know that generally they buy from maybe five different countries and some of that will be in the package. <laughs> so sometimes it's, uh, it's very, very hard. Um, and in terms of digitizing those data and collecting it, the challenges are also different. We usually, when we go into the projects, we look at, is the data already there? Because we don't want to build a parallel system, right? We don't want to give them another system, so they have to do the same thing somewhere else. So is the data already there and can we connect through our API and just pull the data and we need to just connect the dots mm -hmm. along the chain? Is that what we need to do? Or do we need support, uh, do they need support in collecting the data? And then you have other challenges, depending on where you're at. Because <laughs> if you're at the very origin, maybe you want to collect data from smallholder farmers in Africa. For example, as we do in Ghana, you know, sometimes they are illiterate. Sometimes they don't have smartphones. There is no internet connection. So how are you going to connect with them? Maybe you need to go one step further in the chain. Um, okay. So it's, it's different challenges. Sometimes collection is an aspect. Sometimes it's more making sense and connecting the dots, I'd say. But you mentioned like two, two, two main things. The, the first one, I, the way I understood it is the, the technical challenge, just to simply be able to, to collect the data maybe from Ill illiterate farmers, like in, in the case you mentioned. And the second challenge is to have like a strong re enough relationship for someone to, willing, to be willing to, to share the data with you. Because if, if this is like a fraction of, of their revenue, probably they, they might not have the time and the pressure on them would not be high enough to really 
uh, to really do what what the brand is is asking them. them. That's that's mm-hmm. my understanding. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, I think uh, if I may yep. uh, top that, uh, we I had the question prepared before about like how the software uh, solutions can support the transparency, and we actually covered that. Uh, by chance, but just to summarize mm-hmm. that, on top of what you said, that the one of the role of the software solutions is to support the collection and the verification of data on the very basic within the supply chain level. But what we mentioned before is also very interesting that one of the roles of sof- software solutions is to educate both customers and the brands and the owners and the people who work on that data on what does it actually mean. It's not enough to, to collect the data and have it and present it. It's it, You need to understand what you're showing and what you want to show and make sense out of it. So this educational part and this communication part is also very, very important and interesting. It sounds simple, but as you said yourself, actually it's it's not. <laughs> There's no standard. Everyone is doing it um, by, by himself. So to, this role, I think, is, is also very, very important. Yeah, uh, I, I can only um, basically sign that <laughs> statement. Um, yeah, I mean, if I can maybe tell you a bit about this project that I briefly touched on as an example, um, because we we often, I think, in the software solutions that we provide or that are on the market right now when it comes to traceability, we forget to look at the ground reality. Um, we look a lot at, oh, where's the data stored? It's maybe stored on the blockchain in a decentralized, irreversible way. But where does it come from? Does it make sense? What does it say? We also have to do justice to that. And it's hard because it's way more complicated. Um, and we need to collaborate to solve that. Like no 12 people team like we are can solve the whole sustainability and supply chain transparency subject. Um, but still, I think we have to do justice to it. And we have to understand that there is a ground reality and actual people behind it that need to use it and that need to make sense out of it. And uh, when we did this project in Ghana, uh, in the cocoa industry, we prove fair payment to smallholder farmers, right? And I say prove because we don't only trace it. We don't only make it transparent, but we make sure that the information is actually true. Um, in this case, we were lucky because they use digital payments. But in the end of the day, what I can now do as a consumer or as a customer like Lind or Sprüngli that buy B2B from them is I can scan the product and I can see all the transactions that are made to smallholder farmers without personal data, but I can see them. So I can see how much money has been verified and paid, how much food waste has been reduced and all of that. But imagine you scan the chocolate and then you see, oh, look, okay, so this farmer here has been paid for I don't know, five kilogram of cocoa fruit uh, juice or fruit pulp, 50 Ghanaian dollars. Okay, so what I know now <laughs> is that this company makes it fully transparent and that it's true that this farmer has received it, but I have no idea what it means. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing, if that's above average, if it supports a living wage for the person that receives that money. Um, so I need benchmarks. I need to make sense out of the data. It has to be relative to something. So I think our yeah, our topic is as well to make sense out of the data. So to make sure, okay, how much additional income do they actually get by selling this? It's around 20 to 30% in that project. Maybe what is a living wage in the area? Does it support a living wage? Can the people actually live from it? What's the fair trade premium as a comparison? So how can I make really sense out of the data? 
And one thought that I really like and that I hear from more and more companies we collaborate with is thinking transparency in both ways. Because we usually think transparency just from our perspective. I want to know what's in my chocolate. I want to know if everything is fair. But what about the farmer at the origin? They should also know the value of their product, you know, and understand what happens. And that's when we get to economic sustainability as well and economic upliftment and, and forcing them to build better quality and to have a better position in the chain. And I think those companies that really want to dig deeper into improving along the chain, they need to meet everyone on eye level and they think that transparency into both ways. I see your point in making it transparent both ways. The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, that this is like a widely known in the food industry that farmers are, are taking the, the biggest risks, uh, but getting relatively small margins out of it, if not the, the lowest margins. I'm not sure yeah. to, to what extent uh, um, the majority of farmers um, understand, understands that, but um, it could also help them to, to increase their leverage uh, over over bigger players and increase their margins if it's more transparent for them what what happens after they deliver the product yeah I see. and more and more the transparency becomes like part of the product you know you don't you no longer just buy the physical product because it tastes good and the price is low yep. you buy the traceability with it and we see that with really big companies they might not be able to provide 100 transparency across their whole portfolio but they build specific offerings that are traceable and transparent because mm -hmm. the market needs it. And the more we can actually bridge the gap between what they provide in terms of data and credibility and the consumer understanding that, the more I believe the portfolios will change towards that direction. And do you often see cases where things... Um you try to uncover how something works and then you find out that someone was cheating or it was trying to, to cheat or um, yeah, the motivation behind being more transparent wasn't exactly honest. You're fishing for a sensation here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> um, usually, um, I think the willingness to collaborate is bigger than one thinks. Mm -hmm. But of course, you still have cases where suppliers just don't want to provide any data. Um, and it's more that than discovering bad things. It's more not discovering anything because they refuse to provide any information. And when, when they refuse, what's what's the reason behind it? Mm, I think oftentimes they just don't know um, okay. and they don't really have the capacities to dig deeper into it. Um, a lot of times that just happens in very, very complex global chains where maybe our direct customer buys from a trader who then buys from someone else, who then buys from a manufacturer who buys from someone else. And they have a portfolio of, you know, mixing maybe 50 different origins into one pile and then reselling that. And right now, especially the procurement departments, they have a lot of things on their agenda it, uh, since uh, this year it's Chaos, I mean, it always came with the pandemic already, but it's no comparison um, to what is happening right now. Um, and the procurement departments are the ones that have the connection to the suppliers. So they are the ones that could get the data. But right now, um, oftentimes they have other issues. So I think right now we have different pressure points. Luckily, we also have the law and other factors that just force companies to still move forward 
although they have or they are facing issues in their supply chains that they have never seen before. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a chaos, but it moves in the right direction. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the moment where the big brands or even the small ones will start competing in the field of transparency and traceability. I, I'm really curious what will come out uh, out of this uh, competition, what will what would be the direction and how it will influence the supply chain. I think this reaching this breaking point of brands really starting to compete uh, will, will, yeah. change the, will change the situation. Maybe we'll... Yeah. Uh, repeat our conversation in a couple of years and talk about that. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. For sure. <laughs> but I had this really interesting, I think just yesterday I was speaking with someone who said, yeah, but the small ones, if they build this uh, traceability, doesn't really have a huge impact. We need the big ones to move. And the big ones won't move, you know, because for them, they don't have to, they have enough power in the market. And I couldn't disagree more <laughs> because we need both. If we don't build use cases that show consumers that it works differently and we don't make it you know, economically attractive and put pressure into the big ones, they will never move. And at the same time, it's even the same perspective in the big companies. And it is happening. I mean, across all industries, the big ones build product lines that target specifically this consumer group because they don't have another choice. And if they see that these projects work well, then there's no other way than, you know, turning all the other supply chains upside down. And I had a call with uh, one of the biggest uh, chocolate producers in the world. Uh, every fifth bean goes through them. And they have uh, dedicated a person specifically to sustainability and transparency and communication only. What they're building is they are B2B and they're building a custom, digital customer platform meaning they have certain offerings that are 100% traceable. Um, but since they're selling B2B, they somehow need to build a bridge with that data over their customer to the consumer so that they can actually justify the value. And this is a huge challenge that affects also B2B companies. And they see this value, so they need to provide the story, the data, um, the visuals to their buyers who manufacture the chocolate that we know so that they can make it a USB towards us. So I think it definitely moves already big players and all of them. Um, but the legal pressure makes them move even faster in times of crisis like now. I think what would be worth mentioning uh, at this stage, uh, you, you mentioned briefly that the, the kind of the features or the responsibilities that Seed Trace uh, has um, as a software solution. But could you tell us uh, briefly um, what it what it does, uh, who is the target group, and what's the value added? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, so, well, our target group uh, basically is the food industry. Um, we have, depending on the depth of the product, so if you think of it, like I said before, in transparency, sustainability, credibility, and traceability, the deeper we go, the more narrow, I would say, our target group is, because we need to specialize more. So when we go into this traceability projects, we focus on coffee, cocoa, tea, nuts, spices, and so on. Often products that are sourced in developing countries with uh, tricky aspects at the source. So the narrower we go, um, the more we target these industries. How it works is that we just have a digital platform through which you can basically map your chain. You can connect the different actors along the chain. 
um, and then you can start managing your impact data and request the data from the different actors. Um, so we talk on level one and two usually about static data um, and not batch-specific dynamic real-time data. That is what then happens on the third level. Um, so we would usually start with a project piloting between one and five products with static data, seeing if it makes sense to integrate in the systems, into the systems to pull the data in real time as well. And then, of course, the whole uh, system also has a focus on communication. So you can basically click on a button and push it through all your digital channels, the credibility or the transparency. You have a supply chain mapping. You can see the chain of the products. Uh, and then you can see the different claims and proof associated with them. Um, you can integrate it into a web shop with a few clicks so that every time you want to select a product, you see the chain, the impact claims. And then you learn, of course, about does it work? What do people care about? Because impact is subjective to a certain extent, which is also a huge challenge. So you always need the balance between, you know, the story and the emotional value and uh, maybe media and explanations and the facts. And if I go to the store, maybe I care more about are the people, you know, treated fairly and paid fairly and someone else cares more about the carbon footprint um, or other aspects. So you need to give that kind of, as we say in German, birds perspective, like uh, very high and see the different aspects and then allow consumers to deep dive wherever they are interested and what they want to know more about. So from the consumer perspective, I can easily look into the origins of the product that I'm buying. And depending on what is of interest to me, there's different sections explaining uh, what, what's the, the, the footprint, for instance, of the, of the product or the or, or origin and, and things like that. Mm -hmm, exactly. Got it. Got it. Um, I'm curious to learn one more thing uh, <laughs> about uh, your journey. And um, it would be really interesting to know what do you consider as, um, as the most important aspects of, of building a solution like that? So specifically in the transparency of the supply chain, what makes a software solution successful um, to... To, to make it work for both consumers, brands, and suppliers? Yeah, I think if you really want to build an impact business in this sphere, um, you need to always find a balance between making it scalable. Um, so a company should not only be able to, you know, analyze one product because they will spend their whole life tracing one chain if they have a portfolio of 300 products. So I think that is a very important aspect. Um, the other one is the ground reality that we've touched on before. So I think as an impact business, you need to make sure to really understand the situation or the people that you want to impact. Sometimes that's not your direct customer. Sometimes that's people beyond that. So you really need to under, understand that when you build the technology for it. And that can be challenging if you are a company sitting in Berlin, uh, but you're trying to do good for people in Ghana. Um, so I think it's very crucial to do that. And it's also something we hear all the time. Um, there are different traceability solutions that have you know, a different focus than we have, but a lot of companies come to us because they're frustrated with what they have tried in other use cases or pilots because the company didn't do justice to the uniqueness. And that's a challenge in building this because 
on the one hand, you need you, ideally we would have a plug and play solution. Everyone can log in and solve all their problems. But impact always has a unique twist to it. And if you really want to understand, analyze, do better, you need a system that is to a certain extent flexible. Um, and I think that is the biggest challenge in building this if you want to do it justice, is to have a system that does justice to the uniqueness of the chain and to the impact. So I want to make sure that the companies that work with the platform, they can set up their impact KPIs that they need through a system that allows this flexibility. But I can also not be a solution or a service provider that builds a solution for everyone. It also will fall on all our feet if we do that, because then different companies cannot use it, they cannot connect through it and so on. So it needs to provide a certain flexibility and you need to really understand the ground reality, just doing everything against garbage in, garbage out situations. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's difficult to start with something very universal. Every food chain has their own specifics. And if you ignore those subtleties, then you're going to come up with a solution that dissatisfies everyone to some extent. Um, yes. But if you stay flexible and and the system can adapt to those uh, specific realities of, of, of their suppliers, then it's easier to, to, to make them happy and obviously to, to yeah. increase the transparency of, of this chain. Yeah, if you take the payment situation as an example, um, in the project we did, it's, it's great because of digital payments, we can verify. You don't always have that. Some, oftentimes they still pay in cash. Africa, they are moving a lot towards this, but South America, for example, is slower with that regard, right? But you still want to provide a system that allows companies to prove or to support the claims that are made by their suppliers. So then you need to think of mechanisms that allow you to add randomized control trials. Maybe someone who is running around on site will just test a sample rather than I'm able to verify every individual transaction. So my system always also needs to allow that. And that's what I mean by understanding the ground reality and the different you know, nuances that it may have so that your solution can answer to that. I see, I see. Anna, thank you so much for sharing all your your insights. We spoke about the the food industry and its and the transparency of the, of the supply chains a bit a bit about the perception of consumers these days, the legal aspect and regulations in place and coming in, coming in, uh, and also how difficult or challenging the digitization of of this industry is um, in itself, and uh, also a bit about uh, building a software a successful software solution in this space and what it does it take to actually uh, scale and and develop something of value to all all stakeholders thank you so much anna for the conversation and for being with us today thank you very much thank you thank you it was a pleasure likewise and goodbye see you soon